chaos and the hubbub. I'm not sure where everyone is. You know, in the denominal world, summer comes and they dismiss Sunday school. That is so sad to me. Because, you know, they say now they're starting this new trend in the secular education that they're going to a year-round school. The reason is, is they say that children lose some big percentage of their learning throughout the year, or throughout the summer. That if you take a break from learning, you lose what you've learned when you go back to school in the fall. So just think about it. If we take a break from discipleship class in the summer, now I know I'm talking to the choir here, because y'all are here this morning, but spread the word. If we take a break from class in the summer, we might lose what we've already learned. So if we take a break from Wednesday night Bible study, we might lose what we're talking about, our core value. We might lose some of our doctrine. We might lose some of our identity on those beachfronts that we're vacationing on. At the water park down in Wisconsin. Anyway, I won't meddle too much. Well, you know I will, but anyway, because um, that's what we do, right? We teach the word. So, did everyone do their homework? If we don't do our homework, shame on us. We can't pass class if we don't do our homework. How many of you, when you had children in school, allowed them to not do their homework? We never allowed our children to not do their homework. They got put on punishment. We disciplined them. Our son told us that he came home from every class knowing that if he did not bring home A's on his report card, he was in big-time trouble. We never told him that he had to have straight A's. He graduated college with a 4.0 while full-time in the Air Force because that was the expectation that somehow was inbred in him. I never told him that that was my expectation of him. He did his homework. How much more for the kingdom of God? So shame on me if I don't do my homework. So hopefully we can do our homework. So last week we discussed our core values, our identity. We discussed and came to the conclusion. I'm done. I'm done fussing us out. I know that we had family camp and that we had the Wednesday off and so we all did some of our homework. We, we got into our homework and did some of our homework. Um, we discussed and came to the conclusion that core values are those things that we hold at the center or the foundation and the things that we desire the most in our lives. And that what we base, they are the things that what, the very thing that we base our life on. That's our core value. Be it our job, our spouse, our children, our grandchildren, money in the bank, our car, our dog, our cat. Now, you may laugh at the dog or the cat, 
But there's people that did not go to family camp services because they had to be at home with their dog. There are people that did not go and eat breakfast because they needed to be with their dog. God is my witness. There are people that do not go to work because they have to be with their whatever. They can't leave their home because they're afraid that someone might break into it. By a security system, folks. I mean, they they don't drive their car. Remember last week we talked about there's people that don't walk outside in their sneakers because they don't want to get them dirty. I've heard them. Why buy them? But anyway, they there are people that clean their house, vacuum their carpet, and then do not let people. I knew a lady that had a living room that no one sat in their living room. They had a family room. No one went into the formal living room. Really, sincerely, that is truth. Why have it? You did not sit on the formal couch. That was her valued possession. She valued that more than my friendship. Because when I walked towards that, she went, oh, don't sit there. I went, whoa. I sat on the couch that her dog sat on. That was where I... So core values are the thing, the foundation that we desire the most. So our identity is where we gain our value from. What we value the most is then what we get our identity from. That's what we came to the conclusion from. And then last week we read Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, to find out what we used to be. Hopefully it's what we used to be. And he hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. We know who that is. Satan, Lucifer, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We used to be disobedient. Now we are obedient children, among whom also we all had our, all had, past tense, our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's what we used to be. We talked about we were dead in our sins. We are no longer dead in our sins. We're dead, but not in sin. We are no longer following the ways of the world. We're no longer following Satan. We're no longer disobedient because the spirit of the world is no longer working in us. We're no longer the objects of wrath. Our identity was founded in the world. I used to change my style every two to three years. I no longer do that. I, my identity was totally founded. If they changed, I changed. I was on this merry-go-round. It was tilt-a-whirl, roller coaster ride, whatever you want to do. Thankfully, that's no longer me. 
It's no longer our identity. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2, and it's not on my slide, says, Shall we continue in sin? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin? And we heard this again at family camp this week. We have been hearing this last month over and over and over and over. If you are dead, you are dead. A dead man doesn't sin. If you died, truly died in repentance, and you were buried in baptism, you don't struggle with sin. It's over. It's done with. If you repented, true repentance kills the old man. It's over, it's done with. The only reason that you have trouble with sin is you allow the old man to come back to life. Someone said to me at family camp this week, it's amazing, I only have to control this much. I only have about an inch and a half of my whole being that I have to control. And if I killed that part in repentance, the battle's won. I am dead to sin. I don't live there any longer. It's over. It's done with. I don't walk in that anymore. So what is our identity? Let's keep reading because to me, this is the exciting part. That's kind of the, I don't want to be reminded of that part. I don't like to talk about that part. I don't want to dwell there part. I don't like to talk about what I used to be. I have a school, a class reunion coming up in a few weeks. I'm not going to it because my husband said, I don't want to go. And I said, okay, good. We won't go. We're going to do something else that weekend. But And I would go. It'd be kind of fun to go and show them what God has done. It would be, but we're not going to go because I know. Anyway, we're not going to go. It's not convenient for us to go. But I really don't, I don't like to be reminded of my past. The past is over. That's the old me. Old things are passed away. I'm new. I'm not that person anymore. There's nothing. I don't resemble that person in any way. I don't even have the freckles anymore. I mean, I don't. So I get excited to see in Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, who I am now. But God, I love but God statements. Sometime go through your Bible. I think that somebody, I really think that some preacher sometime, if I was a preacher, I would preach this sermon. I remember one of my daughter's favorite sermons that Brother Dennis ever preached in Okinawa was, what in hell do you want? That stuck with her because it was like, whoa. But I think that some preacher sometime should preach a sermon, what's following your butt? Because we always say, well, I really like them, but. And usually it's a negative. You know, oh, the sun is shining now, but. The weatherman says it's going to rain. There's always a negative. Yet when we read in the Bible, but God, it's always a good thing. I mean, normally it's but God. The enemy was there. He was going to get him, but God. I was, 
I was a yucky person. You would not have wanted to know the old Pam. You would not have really liked the old Pam. I was not a nice person. I was not who I am now. But God. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy. Oh, he's so rich in mercy. For his great love, wherewith he loved me. That says us. Even when we were dead. But go through there and said, where, where, even when I was dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace we, ye are saved. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. But God, for by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. I asked you if you did your homework assignment. One of the first, the very first page was your identity, your core value identity is to know that you are loved. You know, one of the most famous verses of the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved, say it loud. You know, that's well and fine. I'm really glad to know that God loves the world. But before I can tell the world that God loves them, I have to know that I know that I know that I know that he loves Pam. Because if I don't know his love, and if I am not secure in his love for Pam, I can't reflect his love to them. I have to know his love for myself. I have to be in a love relationship with him. My children were not secure in our home just because of my love. They were secure in our home because my husband and I love each other. I'm secure in my husband's love. He was gone probably, I would like to say, maybe 25% of our married life when he was active duty, but that's probably giving the Army a low calculation he was probably gone 50%. Yet I never doubted his love. I never doubted his faithfulness. I never doubted that he was coming home. Because I was secure in his love. That made his children secure in our home. I'm secure in God's love. 
so I can share his love freely to other people. I can't freely share what I'm not secure in. Does that make sense? The reason people can't freely love and share God's love is because they're not securing God's love. For God to love the world, that's an ambiguous statement. I know it's Bible, so I'm not taking away from the Bible, but we have to be sure in our identity, in our core value, identity of God's love. That's why the other scriptures were in your homework. They all deal with our relationship love with God. Are you sure in your core value identity that God loves you, that he died for you? I was a wretched sinner. I was a horrible person. But for God's grace, he went to Calvary for me. He loved me. By grace, I am saved. Thank God. But God. He's quickened us together with Christ. He's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This isn't just a foretelling of where I'm going. I sit in heavenly places daily. I have the peace of God now. The kingdom of God here and now is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I can walk through the storms of life and keep his righteousness. I can do it right. I can have peace. Though the storms keep on blowing in my life, I can have peace. People can look at me and say, whoa, what's wrong with her? Why isn't she a basket case? I can go to the doctor. They can give me the worst news possible. And I can smile and say, it'll be okay. Calm down and give them an assurance. I've been there, done that. I've laid on the table, and they've said, it'll be okay. Don't be upset. It'll be fine. I said, I know. Just run the test you need to run. We'll be fine. Just calm down. God's got it all in control. Just, he's, it's all ordained. We're, we're good. We'll wake you up and tell you what we find, and then we'll decide what you, no, what you're going to find is, bing, 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 bing. Go ahead and do what you need to do and just tell my husband. And then we'll be, we'll, we're fine. How do you know that? God's already told me it's all in his hands. We're good to go. It's, it's good. We've got peace. And the joy. Whoa. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Heavenly places. That's your witness. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Sometimes I I limit his masterpiece. Because I just see all the tangled up weaving on the back. But he sees the beauty of the masterpiece from the front. See, I see my imperfections. 
but he sees the beautiful artwork from the other side. He sees the beauty of the tapestry. I just see all the tangled up knots on the back of the canvas. You know, I, I see me for who I am. He sees me for how he's created me. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. I see my imperfections. I'm sorry, God, that I keep reminding you of how imperfect I am. Help me, God. Verse 10 describes me as his workmanship. He describes each of us as his workmanship. God, help me to not see my shortcomings, but to see me as your masterpiece. By grace we are saved. The world would have me believe that I'm an ugly caterpillar. It hasn't changed. They convinced the, you know, grasshopper, caterpillar, whatever. Biblically, it was a grasshopper, but caterpillar. That's what my pastor's wife in Okinawa compared it to. That's what the world would have us believe that we are. It's just some ugly little caterpillar just crawling along on the ground, robbing us of all identity, of all worth. They rip us of our self-esteem. They just have us crawling on the dirt, stripping us of all of our godliness. No self-worth, no value. But God wants, wants us to see ourselves as the beautiful butterfly and flying above all the troubles of the world. The problems don't go away. Please do not misunderstand me. I am not standing up here telling you that life is going to be a breeze and that you are just going to have a trouble-free life. Quite the contrary. The deeper you are in God, chances are the more troubles and problems and trials and tribulations you may face. The more he can trust you, the more he will use you. Read Job. (laughs) Have you considered my servant Job? But what an honor to be used of God. I mean, don't you want to be considered worthy of God? Sign me up for the Christian Jubilee. Don't we sing it? I am telling you that he will change you from that caterpillar that has no self-worth, no identity in Christ, no value to the kingdom, no, no value to yourself. That just sees yourself as a grasshopper that can accomplish nothing. A caterpillar that is just worthless, just crawling along the ground, just people don't... To a butterfly that people pay to see. They flock to see it. It's beautiful. And it can flutter around. It flutters above. That's what God does for us. He transforms us through the renewing of this little piece that we have control of. We can control our thoughts. 
We can control. Thoughts will come. What's that saying? You can't stop the bird from flying over, but you can stop him from building a nest. He may even try to land there from time to time. The mosquitoes were horrible up at family camp this week. I mean, horrendous. But when they would come, I'd swat them off. They're not going to land on me and pitch forever. They're not staying there long enough to bite. Look, get out of here. They're just not. We have control. God transforms us. We are no longer the old man. We have put on the new man. Colossians 3 and 10, we have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Knowledge. Knowledge is a powerful tool. Knowledge gives us power, and we've put it on. If anybody should know about putting on Christ Jesus, it's those of us that live in Wisconsin. And here's my parallel. This thing is, it's like a jackety thing, right? And I put it on this morning. The trouble with it is, is it's floppity. And if a strong wind came, if I walked outside right now, you'll notice that I have this little pin here, right? And it serves a purpose. Because if a strong wind came, it would stop me from being immodest. Because I do have on a sleeveless shell. Don't mean to get too personal here, everybody, guys. But I do, and the wind would come, and it'd rip it off, and I would be exposed to the elements. It would rip it off of me. It's a jacket, and it keeps me covered right now. I put it on, but it's not secure. I am not secured. I put it on, but I'm not secured. As opposed to this. If I put this on... And here's how I put on Christ. Sorry for those that are listening. If you can't hear me once I do it. I put on Christ and I'm secure in him. I zip him on. I put him on. And I'm secured. The wind can come. And I'm secured. The wind can come. The storms can hit me. The rain can come. And it's not going to get on me. It's not going to rip him off. I'm secure. You put on Christ, your identity. My core values are not changing. The storms of life can come, but I've put him on. I'm robed in his righteousness. It's not moving. I'm not changing. Troubles come. Trials come. But I'm secure in him. I've put him on. I'm not changing. His righteousness is not moving from me. My core values are not being ripped off of me. Troubles and trials and situations and people, their opinions, their attitudes, the ways of this world are not changing me. My core values are secure. It is what it is because he is who he is. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I put him on. It's not changing. The trouble is, remember last week we talked about the melting pot. And if you've just kind of put on a flouncy doctrine, if you haven't made him your core, that's when you're in trouble. 
Because the first wind of doctrine that comes, it's going to strip him off of you. You're going to be changed. You're going to be left naked. You're going to be left exposed. And you're going to be standing there going, oh, what do I believe? Knowledge is powerful. You have to be. You can't go to part-time summer school. You can't go. You have to be. I don't agree with year-round school. I will stand here and tell you. I believe in family time. But you have to be in the teaching of the word. You have to be in discipleship class. You have to be in Wednesday night Bible study. You have to be in church. You need to be at family camp. You need to be wherever it is. You have to be there. I'm a selfish Christian. I am one of the most selfish children of God that you will ever meet in your life. If it's available, I want to be there. That's how I've been since I was born again. I can't get enough. That's how I was when I was on the milk of the word, and that's how I am with the steaks. I want it. I am a glutton. If the doors are open, I want to be there. I don't want to miss it. I want the knowledge. There's power in the knowledge of the, add to your faith. Add to your faith. So Colossians 3 and 10, put on, which is renewed out in the knowledge. It's much like putting on the coat, zipped up, secured. The rain won't soak me. The winds won't, won't rip it off. I have chosen to put my identity in Christ's identity. I have put on Christ, Ephesians 4, 24, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. If the Bible says in true holiness, that tells me that there must be a false holiness out there. There's got to be any time that there's God holiness, there's got to be an imitation out there. Anytime God has something, the enemy has a false one. He has an imitation of it. So you better find out what holiness is and what true holiness is. And the only way you're going to find that out is through knowledge. Any time that God has something, the enemy tries to replicate it. So you better know what holiness is and what true holiness is and get it on and get into it and have it. And that's your identity, your core value. I am robed in his righteousness. His identity is my identity. I walk and I dwell in his love and I am known by his love. John 13.35, 1 John 4.16, and 1 Corinthians 6.14. Please write those down. I'll repeat them and look them up. That's your homework. Your homework this week is grab it while we go, because, boy, time is of the essence. John 13.35, 1 John 4.16, and 1 Corinthians 6.16. Verse 14, I dwell in his love. It is where I live and it is where I abide. Do you dwell in the love of God? 
Just stop and think about it. Do you dwell in his love? If somebody said, where do you live? I live in La Crosse. I live in Wisconsin. I live in America. I live in God's love. Whoa. Now we're going to read Ezekiel. Chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. Yeah, we think about the Old Testament, and we think about them having idols. We don't think about us having idols. Hold on. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. So what are some changes that change when our identity changes? God, according to this passage, God cleanses us and we stay clean. We go from desiring, worshiping self, and excuse me, and intangible things to desiring and worshiping the unchanging God and the things of God. One thing have I desired and that do I seek after. So we think of the Old Testament as having idols because they did. They set up actual stone idols. In our lives, idols can take on, in America, idol worship used to take on a different form in that we would idolize intangible things or maybe not intangible if it was our house or our car or perhaps it was the intangible in that it was family I'll meddle again. In this area, family worship, in Japan, ancestor worship was a huge thing. Huge. And I thought that I had never seen that before. But actually, I have. Only I didn't recognize it. Because here in Wisconsin, we don't have ancestor worship. We have living family worship. Unfortunately, a lot of us place living family above our God. We really do. Because we will place living family above our God. We seek to please living family before we seek to please the Jesus. We seek to please mom, dad, brother, sister, children, aunt, uncle, niece, nephew, Before we seek to please Jesus, we seek to, we we do. I found that in my own life. When I moved back here, it was like cold water in my face. I was like, whoa, Pam, what's wrong with you? Of course you can't go to that family event. It's right at church time. And I couldn't understand why they didn't understand that. I really didn't, and I didn't understand why they didn't adjust the time, the day, the time, the something. But 
they didn't understand what the big deal was. Well, of course, I had to make the choice. So I chose church. Um, but it, it was reality to me because, and then I had to make other choices with my mom. And it, it really was a reality check for me because I saw how easy it would have been for me to become, for them to become an idol in my life. It, it really was. And I could see where, had I been living here, that would have been very, very easy for me. And I won't go into details, great detail, but I saw that that was a problem in my life. And I see that in other people's relationships where family worship, so it's not ancestor worship, it's living family worship. And that's an idol. That's an idol. Um, now I see in America, even right here in La Crosse, when I walk downtown, there's Asian statues that have infiltrated into our country and into our very city here. A little cat dog, cat idol with little paw going up and down. Cute as could be. No, it's not the shishi. It's the, I can't forget its name. And it's little paws just a waving you up and down. And everybody said, oh, that's so cute. Not cute at all. Not cute at all. Just keep on going and say in Jesus' name. Keep right on walking, folks. Don't buy one for your house. Um, the Buddhas. All kinds of things. Those are all idols. Those are all idols, folks. Um, tons of things. You need to study what you have or what you're looking at before you look at it and for sure before you bring it into your home because a lot of things are idols. Study your clothing before you buy it and put it on your body. Study your lots of things, lots of things before you get it because idol worship is very, very real. And God has cleansed us from it. And he wants to keep us pure from it before we take it on. But knowledge is power and knowledge is protection. But ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. So study before you buy things. Study before you think something is cute. Study before you allow your children and your grandchildren, if you still have children under your roof. But that's study. Knowledge is power and knowledge is protection. Don't think everything is just cute. There's usually a history behind everything. Um, so we go from desiring and worshiping self and intangible things and tangible things to desiring God. And if we have a heart for God, God will give us that little prick in our heart. He'll, he'll give us that unction. Don't ignore the unctions. Don't ignore the unctions of the Holy Ghost. They're there for a reason. When you feel that prompting, the prompting is there for a reason. Don't override it. And don't feel like, oh, I'm just being holier than thou. Yeah, I am holier. I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got the holiest of holies residing in me. How can I not be holier than those that don't have the Holy Ghost? Of course I'm holier than they are. I've got the Holy God of holies living in me. I mean, why are we embarrassed? If somebody says, well, you just think that you're holier than thou. Of course I'm holier than they are. I've got the holiest of holies living in me. Well, you're so American, Brother Graham. You just think that you're so much of a woman. I said to my daughter one time, when one of the grandsons was just a little boy, and he was doing something, I said, well, boy, he's all boy. And she said, um, what would you want him to be? 
<laughs> Good point. Yep, keep being a 100% boy. <laughs> right? Well, of course, I'm 100% holy. How much holier can I get? Right? I mean, isn't that what we're striving for? Is to be 100% like Jesus? Isn't he holy? So if someone says that you're holier than thou, why is that a slam? Y'all are getting awful quiet on me. Am I saying something wrong? You are just so Christian. Isn't that a compliment? I mean, they mean it as a derogatory, but that's because they feel some conviction. Now, if you're acting like you're all that in a bag of chips, that's totally different. If you're not acting in love, then you need to go back to the altar. That's a whole nother lesson for pastor to take care of, so we'll let him handle that. But So... Anyway, we'll go back to my notes, and I'll go back to safer. So rather than having a hard, stony heart that's unresponsive to God, this scripture says that he gives us a fleshly heart, a sensitive heart. And again, don't ignore the promptings. You've got the Holy Ghost. Be sensitive to those promptings. The Holy Ghost will prompt us and draw us closer to him. We have the power to follow God, to resist the devil. In fact, we have the power to tell the devil, get away. You have no place. And make him flee. We're secure in the love of Christ. We value his favor rather than the favor of man. Sad to say, some people say that this is a day-to-day decision. I would think that that would be a sad way to live. I don't have to decide every day if I'm going to be married to Rufus Parker. I don't wake up every day and decide, well, today am I still going to be Mrs. Rufus Parker? I don't have to decide that. I decided on August 3rd, 1978, to say I do, and every day after that I still do. It's a done deal. Well, I decided to follow Jesus on July 18th, 1984, and I've got a made-up mind. I've got a final destination. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I mean, it's a done deal. I'm not changing my mind. I don't wake up every day and wonder, is this the day that I'm going to backslide? Is this the day that I'm going to start to smoke again? Is this the day that I'm going to take a drink? Is this the day that I'm going to cuss somebody out? Is this the day that I'm going to start watching porn? Is this the day that I'm... What? Huh? I mean, no. Now I might wake up and wonder, is this the day that a hundred souls are going to get baptized? I mean, is this the day that the walls are just going to need to be burst out? Is this the day that he's going to come back? Is this the day that... But, I mean, I don't... How sad if you have to wake up every day and wonder if, make up your mind every day afresh. Now, I understand that we need to die to the flesh. I I got it. I I understand what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says, but it's not a day-to-day decision. 
My core value identity is secure in Christ. I know every day I'm going to get up and dress the same. I know every day I'm going to put my hair up the same. It's a done deal. I am who I am in Christ Jesus. I don't apologize for who I am. I am who I am through the grace of God. It's just a done deal. If I go to China, I don't say, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm an American. I just, I am who I am. So, anyway, I choose to be a Christian, and I choose to live victorious in him. And I think that if we, I don't think, I know, that if we settle who we are in Christ, it changes our core value. It changes and we become secure in Christ. And that's when we live victorious in Christ. You can't live victorious in Christ until you are secure in Christ. And you can't be secure in Christ until you are victorious in Christ. And it's a, it's a unifying bond. When you are secure in his love, that's where it starts. You need to be secure in his love. When you know that you know that you know that he loves you. And that it's unshakable. And that he will never leave you. And that he will never forsake you. And that he is with you. Then it makes everything good. And then you're secure in him. So there's no way that we're going to get to lesson two today. So we will save that for lesson three. <laughs> I have way too many notes for what we're doing, um, and that's that's okay, um, because I don't want us to rush through it. Our identity in Christ, our core value identity, is so important, because without that, we can't share him with others. If we are not sure of who, if I am not sure of who I am, we have so many insecure people in the world and the world is in the state that it's in because we have insecure, unsure parents. Like I said, my, my children were secure in our home because we were secure in our relationship with each other. And then we could raise secure children. And when we're secure in Christ, then we can share that with the lost and dying world. So enjoy your break, and we will see you back in a little bit for a wonderful service together. God bless you.